And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, the red extreme to my X-Factor, John Dixon. What's going on, Jeff? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here this morning. I'm, it's not very, not a, been a very good couple of days here in, in Chief's world, but, uh, but here I am, as always. Yeah, the three losses in four games is something that we did not expect, despite what has been a really tough beginning of the season schedule. I'm sure we'll get into more of that as we go through the Arrowhead Pride Editor show. We got some news to give you guys. We'll go through the key quotes from Andy Reid's Monday afternoon press conference. We'll have our world-famous marinated takeaways from Chiefs Bills. I'm sure you're looking forward to those. And then we'll go through the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. A unique take on that today. So it's a good show for you. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show and the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, I'd ask you to please leave us a rating and a review. You guys have been fantastic with that. We read each and every one of them, and we take everything into account. What's wild, John, about the news today is despite the -the on-the-field catastrophe, in a sense, of what is happening with the Kansas City Chiefs, The news does not start in Kansas City. It starts in Las Vegas, where uh, Coach John Gruden has resigned from being the head coach of the Raiders. This is the Chiefs' historic number one rival, uh, number one probably to the Denver Broncos. I'm just going to read the NFL.com article. Uh, Following recent articles in the Wall Street Journal and New York Times detailing the use of racist, homophobic, misogynistic terms by John Gruden and emails reportedly dating back to 2010. Gruden has resigned as Las Vegas Raiders head coach. NFL Network's Tom Pellicero reported on Monday night. Gruden was five games into the fourth season of a 10-year contract with the franchise for which he previously coached in a poor stint. I have resigned as head coach of the Raiders, Gruden said. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, and fans for Raider Nation. I'm sorry, uh, I never meant to hurt anyone. Special teams coordinator Rich Bisaccia has been named the Raiders interim head coach. The Chiefs have yet to play the Raiders this season, but this is a franchise that started 3-0 and this year. Uh, they dropped the last two games, and then you, you saw some progress. Um, this is now a, a mess in Vegas, and what has stood out to me, and, and this was in the reporting from ESPN's Adam Schefter as this thing was breaking on Monday Night Football, it was kind of surreal. But uh, there was the initial email wave where um, Gruden had said some racial comments or, or made a, a racial comment um, directed toward the NFLPA's uh, Demarra Smith. And that is something that he apologized for through the weekend, saying he never had a racial bone in his body. Then these additional emails came out. It's all stemming from the NFL's investigation into the Washington football team. These emails are from 10 years ago when John Gruden was working for ESPN, but it was so bad and so alarming and so disgusting that the Raiders were backed into a corner here. They actually had, from what I can understand, the emails, the Davis family had the emails on Friday and still John Gruden ended up coaching this weekend. The New York times drops this on Monday night. And, and John, you taught me that about this on an Arrowhead Pride editor show, the word trial balloon. It, it almost seemed like the Davis <laughs> family was waiting to see the reaction in a weird way. They ended up eventually doing the right thing, but it, it took them till Monday night. And the NFL, in a sense, was waiting for them to make this decision. Um, the Davis, uh, or I should say Mark Davis, met with John Gruden on Monday. Apparently, it was a very emotional meeting. This is... These are two people who are, are very, very uh, close to one another and call it what you want, a firing, a dismissal, uh, um, John Gruden resigning. Uh, John Gruden is no longer the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, and I don't think we'll see him again in the National Football League. Uh, probably not. Um, the, he's certainly toxic at this point. You know, I, I thought that the original quotes that came out about uh, DeMoris Smith were, I mean, they were bad. Okay. I'm not going to say that they were okay, that they were bad, but it sounded like, you know, an isolated incident from a long time ago. 
And it wouldn't have been that surprising for for it to have blown over after a period of time. But the stuff that came out yesterday, I read that New York Times article and I was just my mouth was dropping to the floor. And I mean, yeah, there were there were racist, homophobic things in there. But the thing that really struck me was almost the very last part of the article, last paragraph, uh, where he made some remark about um, how much he, about Roger Goodell hiding in his concussion tent, and which suggesting pretty strongly that Gruden thinks that the NFL's concussion protocols are a bad idea. Well, what in the world? I mean, yeah. how is that a, a good attitude for a head coach of NFL players to have? I just, I just couldn't believe that. I mean, put put aside all the other stuff. Just, just look at this. I, I just found that unbelievable that he would have that attitude about it. I think it just was so much that the Raiders had no choice, and yeah. I think for good, for good reason. I, I don't think this is someone. Um, as the NFL tries to right the ship in a sense when it comes to some of these social issues that you need a part of the league. And I think you're right about the concussion point. League safety has become a huge priority for the Mm -hmm. NFL. That's why they have the concussion protocol. We know all the problems with CTE and and players and their lifestyles um, after they they retire. I, I think that it's hard for us to make any comment when it comes to some of these um, racial quotes that came out, these um, homophobic quotes that came out, except the fact that, like, it just isn't right when we know that yeah. uh, we mm-hmm. don't need need this person as a part of the National Football League and the Raiders ended up making, um, I think, the right decision. We'll see if John Gruden uh, services at the at the college level. I saw that suggested out there um, when it comes to on the field. I personally, and, and this is strictly on the field, you know, taking this away, I personally wasn't considering the Raiders a threat to the Chiefs anyway, but certainly not now. The way these things typically go, the, the team will sputter, and I just don't – I, I didn't think they were the, the quality level of a playoff team regardless of their start anyway, but this certainly, I think, will uh, hinder that effort. Sometimes it gives the, the team energy initially, but, you know, I see the Raiders kind of tapering off here. And it's an interim head coach, so they will be looking for a head coach in, in the offseason. Also does become interesting um, when it comes to Eric Bieniemy. We mm-hmm. know the rivalry between the Davises and the Hunts. Um, this is going to be a franchise that is, in a sense, looking for some new direction, some new energy. We know the energy and the character that Eric Bieniemy could provide an organization. I think this will be a job to watch. Um when it comes mm-hmm. to to January uh, for the enemy, I, I you know, John, you, you know, that's dating back to to the early days of this thing. The Davis energy would love to take a coach from, I think, the Chiefs and then beat them with that coach. And, and so we'll see if that happens with the enemy. I don't care if it's with Las Vegas. You could be Denver, Los Angeles. They're not going to be Los Angeles now with the job of Staley's doing. Get the enemy a head coaching job. I, I understand, you know, <laughs> you wouldn't root for him when he's playing the Chiefs, of course. But my God, it's it's long overdue, and Las Vegas should be um, an opportunity potentially for Eric Bieniemy. All right, enough about the Raiders. This is a Chiefs show. This is not Silver and Black Pride editor <laughs> show. This is the Arrowhead Pride editor show. Let's get into some Chiefs news. First is the injury updates. Let's start. Let's start with some of the good news here. Um, Tyree Kill and his knee injury that Andy Reid revealed after the game. It's considered a minor, according to reports. I believe Adam Schefter was on that one. A stinger is probably not going to keep you out of the next game. So Travis Kelsey, I think, should be okay. Interesting one here. Joe Tooney fractured his hand. Donald, we're going to get to in a second. He still played 100% of the snaps <laughs> this game. What a freak. Um, what a player to, to push through that. Uh, it, it seems like this could be a club situation where maybe he can play through it and we'll see if we see him against the Washington football team we didn't get additional information about that uh, from Andy Reid on Monday but the the tone it seems like he might be able to play or maybe it's a situation where I remember a couple years back with Kendall Fuller where he maybe was out for one game and then came back with a club who knows if we see that from Joe Tooney the bad news here and it's fairly bad because it could have been worse with how it looked is that Clyde Edwards Hilaire has an MCL sprain, and he's reported to be out for a few of the next weeks. Chiefs have not put him on injured reserve yet, which 
tends to favor the idea that maybe he could be back for uh, what could be the third game here. So maybe he misses two weeks with this thing. Maybe that's the optimism there. Cause I, I was figuring he could potentially be put on IR and you could see uh, Derek Gale sore, uh, Gale Sayers Gore uh, make his way to the active <laughs> roster here. And that's still a possibility. It seems like the chiefs will not necessarily make moves until what is Saturday, which is great for us, but uh, for the foreseeable future, at least next few weeks, John, no Clyde Edwards either. Yeah. I, I think that if they do put him on IR, it'll happen today. I mean, Tuesday is the, the day they typically do those kinds of transactions. So we may not yet have the final answer on whether or not I, they it might be during to... this show that we see that. Yeah, you know? it might actually be. Yeah. Um, later on uh, today, we may we may learn about that or it might be happening right now. We'll we'll uh, get right on that on arrowheadpride.com if, if that's the case. But um, so, you know, the, the story isn't yet known on Edwards Alaire. You know, the thing I found uh, curious yeah. uh, about the the uh, Andy Reid's. Uh, Tooney uh, report, you know, he plays 100% of the snaps, but has a fractured hand, and he apparently played with some kind of covering on the hand during the game on Sunday night. So how did that happen? Did it happen on the last play of a set of downs? And then while the defense is on the field, they wrapped up his hand with a bunch of tape? Or was it at the in the last series of the game? I'm curious. So to don't know quote how me on this, happened. but I'm pretty sure there are speed casts now like they they oh, well, that is okay. a, that is a thing where I, it it is not meant for okay this is going to be the cast that you wear for the next six weeks right it's like right i don't know it, look who am i i i am i a, med- <laughs> I, am I a medical expert i don't know but yeah i mean it, he powered through which is is impressive i mean yeah um not the not the best press conference man for articles necessarily, but you don't need that if uh, he's a, a an all pro and he's willing to stay on the field through a fractured sure. hand. I couldn't imagine doing that. I would be off the field. I'd be in the ER, the triage. I would be okay. The next left guard can come in. I'm I'm okay here. But uh, good well, for good I was, for Joe. I Jenny. was I was in the stands when um, uh, when they popped Deberg, Steve Deberg. I was okay. in the stands when they popped his thumb back into place in one game where he, his thumb had been dislocated in his throwing hand and they, you know, they held it out there. I mean, this is before the days of the injury tent, of course. Right. And uh, they held it out there away from his body and popped it back into place. And he turned his head and was like, ah, it's just terrible to watch. But uh, you know, you've got to respect somebody who'll go back out on the field after that. And, uh, and so you have to respect that in Tooney. Um, so there's your Steve DeBerg memory for today's show. Well, we won't have one in every show, but we had one today. This show has gotten off to a real unique start. We are, <laughs> it, we led with the Raiders. We're talking about injuries and, and Steve DeBerg has a mention. So this could be the most odd editor show <laughs> in our history. All right. So we know Clyde Edwards, Elaire uh, won't be around for the next few weeks. I think this will. I think this will be a true running back by committee. I think in previous seasons coming in, we would have said it's going to be Daryl Williams. But Jarek McKinnon is someone I I believe the Chiefs are actually very high on. We have the snap counts here in the last game. Daryl Williams had 32 snaps. He finished with 32. Jarek McKinnon had 25. Um, But, John, it it seems like I think both of these guys are going to get an opportunity. Might Might be a hot hand situation. Might be a situational a type of mentality that they go at the running back position. Yeah. Uh, you know, you never want to see a player get hurt, but I think we were all very interested in what Jarek McKinnon could do in the chiefs offense. And I think now we're going to get an opportunity to see where he might not have had that opportunity. If Edward Zelaire had been on the field for the next three weeks, I don't think he's got a chance to unseat Edward Zelaire as the starter, but uh, I think they might use him in different ways than they use Edward Zolaire. So uh, this could be very interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, it's worth noting that the Chiefs were beginning, even with Clyde's back-to-back 100-yard rushing games, it seems like they were trending a little bit towards more of a committee. And that actually was something mm-hmm. that I asked Eric Bieniemy last week, and Bieniemy <laughs> he smiled at me. And he said, the more the merrier. I, I don't know what he was. I, it, look, he just <laughs> wanted to get over the question, but... Uh, it did. It did, it did seem like it was becoming more of a committee. Keep the guys fresh, and and it was working for the Chiefs, uh, at least before losing 
uh, on Sunday night. So we'll see what they do when it comes to um, the snap counts. It was interesting that when Edwards Elaire came out and was on the trainer's table, McKinnon got the first snap. And we had talked about that, how McKinnon is a little bit closer to what Edwards Elaire provides. So it might be that odd situation where you see the number three guy become the number one because yeah. of the style. And then mm-hmm. Daryl will come in as that, that change of pace back. All right, John, uh, we talked about the running back snap counts after Clyde was injured. What else do you got from our snap count takeaways? Well, uh, obviously a lot of people were concerned and were paying attention to the situation with Willie Gay Jr. Uh, as he returned from his injury. Um, he had 46% of the snaps, uh, a fair emphasis on running snaps in the game. And interestingly, not only did that, that brought down the snap counts for um, uh, Ben Neiman to 24%, pretty low for him. He's actually had a pretty significant number of snaps, uh, you know, while Gay has been injured. Um, but the other linebacker snaps actually went up a little bit, and that's because the Chiefs, based on the, the, the formations they used against the Eagles, actually played fewer linebackers than normal last week, and they got back into a more normal range for the linebackers. So um, both Bolton and Hitchens uh, actually had their accounts go up slightly, and then Gay came in, and uh, and then Neiman had just a small number. Um, so that was a positive thing. I know a lot of fans are very unhappy with Ben Neiman and his uh, ability to play at the second level. So that's a positive development for those fans. Um, and just, you know, displays how things change from week to week based on uh, what the other offense is, what the opponent, opposing offense is showing the defense and how they put their schemes out there. I believe it was a play at the beginning of the second half, but I mean, you could you could just tell that that Gay is a different type of player than the rest of these mm-hmm. li- the linebackers that the Chiefs currently have. I, I mean, I, I think it's going to make such a difference when he can get back to closer to one hundred percent. It seemed like there was a little bit of a snap count in his return, yeah, which makes I, sense. Yeah. The Chiefs are not trying to have uh, a setback there. I'm looking at Twitter right now, John, and we have another piece of, of news information, not to go right back to the running backs, but Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is reporting that the Chiefs might be interested in Marlon Mack of the Indianapolis Colts. We know that there is a GM relationship there, so potentially there was a conversation between Brett Veach and Chris Ballard. You have the Indianapolis Colts right now. They're rolling with Jonathan Taylor, and they have Naheem Hines, who they just gave – a new contract extension to Marlon Mack had asked for a trade last month, but it'll just be a matter of compensation. If that's true. And, and Fowler is usually pretty good, but that probably translates to is, is John, you being correct that we might see Edwards Hilaire on injured reserve by yeah. the end of the day. So that would uh, be my first reaction is that that might suggest that Edwards Hilaire's injury is more serious than they thought yesterday. And that can happen sometimes. You know, they yeah. get an initial take on it, and then the doctors look at it again, or they bring in a different doctor, look at different tests or whatever, and they may see that this is a more serious injury than they imagined, and they have to bring in another player. That's interesting. Or, it's very or interesting. Or Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams yeah. must, must be like, what do I have to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. finally the backup. I have an opportunity to to take the first crack at this, but it's probably not going to be McKinnon. I've watched LaShawn McCoy come here. I watched Levy and Bell come here. Now they're going to trade for the former starter of the Indianapolis Colts from a few years ago, who was pretty good. Ridiculous. But no, it's a hey, look, the more, the more the merrier at the running back position. I think it, it is a position where sometimes y- you got to ride the hot hand. We see week in and week out. And it's not just in Kansas city chiefs games where just sometimes a running back can get hot. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you keep handing the ball off, handing the ball off. And it's, and it's that chunk yardage on the ground. Why not continue to air, add bodies to that room? I would like to see Gore, with the call up, but maybe the chiefs are, are not thinking that he's quite ready yet. That's what maybe the interest would lead me to believe. Again, we'll keep you updated on the transactions at arrowheadpride.com. So we talked about the running backs and gay, any other snap count takeaways that stood out to you, John? Uh, well, again, Frank Clark uh, yeah. came back fully. He got a, uh, they weren't, didn't have him on a, a lower snap count than normal. He was around around 80%, which is about normal for him. Um, and again, because of the differences and and how it went uh, the week before, we saw uh, a few a little bit fewer uh, snaps for defensive ends in uh, Sunday's game. I also thought it was interesting that Jaron Reed's snaps have been trending down over a period of time. 
Um, and uh, that's interesting to me that they've got this veteran player in there that uh, that they thought would be a big place, a big piece of making this Chris Jones thing work. And uh, and his snaps have been trending down. Meanwhile, Tershawn Wharton's have been trending up. Now, that's good news because you want to see a, a young player like Wharton be somebody that they can count on. So it's good when you see them using him more, suggesting that he's making progress to to be a guy that they can count on over the long term and an inexpensive contract, which he'll certainly be. But it's kind of surprising that uh, we're seeing Reed's numbers slip over weeks and weeks. You know, those are the ones you really have to pay attention to when it's a consistent slope from yeah. one point all the way down to the other. Oftentimes, especially with Spagnolo's defense, you'll see it change drastically from week to week. And it's just about Spagnola saying, I want to put this guy out there more against this particular offense than I am this guy. And so you'll see it change a lot week to week. But when you see somebody that has a snap count that's, you know, up around 50% or 60%, and over the course of three weeks, it slides down to 30%, that's something that you should pay attention to. A, a quick point on on Frank Clark. Um he he's you know he was back in the lineup and, and it seems like his snaps were okay there and, and 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 normal. I I I think it was a bad break for Clark. Not to say that it would have been a a grand makeup of of what has transpired over the the past you know couple months here where he he's been absent from from the games due to injury. But I mean he almost had a key play in this game and who knows if the referee doesn't call roughing the passer which. Um, you know, I've gone into on arrowheadpride.com. I'm not usually one to complain against the referees. I thought the referees were bad on both sides all night. It's just too involved in the game. I, I mean, I said that, but that was a key play. Uh, Andy Reid clearly was not happy about it after the game, and it could have led to an interception. It really could have led to a, a more exciting finish uh, at minimum mm-hmm. than. Yeah. Well, and who knows yeah. if the if the Chiefs come back and 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 win the game? But it was an 11 point game at the time, led to a Rashad Fenton interception because of the pressure but just erased because of that and I, I thought it was a bad call and I thought the other roughing the passer was a bad call as well so for what it's worth but yeah just too involved in the game and then back to to Jaron Reed Jaron Reed is looking like a mistake unfortunately I mean there's no other way to say it and uh, the Chiefs are, are kind of admitting that in a sense with the snap counts and and cutting their losses we'll see if that continues but uh, just not uh, able to get the production out of him that I think they expected, and and Turk Wharton is starting to get some of those opportunities. So, uh, good on the Chiefs for for again in a sense cutting their losses there and and basically admitting like this is not working out for us right now along the defensive line. And the other thing about the snap counts uh, this week on the offensive side that I thought was interesting was uh, this was the first time all season through uh, the four previous games that they haven't had all four tight ends active for the game. They put the rookie Noah Gray. Uh, on the sidelines, made him inactive this week, Uh, even though his snap counts have been trending up, um, which I thought was an interesting thing that we noticed in the Eagles game, that they had been trending up over a period of time. Um, And Blake Bells had been dropping over a period of time, again, suggesting the rookie was was making progress and they were trusting him more in what they were doing. But uh, on Sunday, he's on the sidelines, apparently, so Josh Gordon can play. Yeah, the so, problem problem with that is the Chiefs have seven receivers on this roster now, which is a little bit yeah. different for them. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, you got to figure out who you don't want. And I don't think you're going to make the guy who has back to back touchdown games um, who, who was Fortson inactive at this point. So right. yeah, right. you end up having to make a tough decision there. So we'll see if Greg gets back into the lineup um, against the Washington Football Team. All right, so that's the news and the snap count takeaways. We are going to continue on with the editor show coming up with the highlights from Andy Reid's Monday afternoon Zoom press conference. Stay with us right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon coming off the Chiefs. 38 to 20 loss, just uncharacteristic of the Chiefs to the Buffalo Bills. What has stood out to me, John, and and it's just crazy to think that he made it this far, but this was Patrick Mahomes' first regular season loss by multiple possessions. Un- unbelievable to say that, what, uh, in his fourth year uh, as a starter, but he made it this far. It was bound to happen eventually. That was not a trend that was going to continue for 20 years. Uh, hopefully it's another four years before the Chiefs have another multiple yeah. possession loss. But the problem with that is that now he's had two of these over the course of six games. You know, if right. you're if you're looking for a, a negative view on that, that's the problem is that two of the worst losses he's had as a chief have been over the course of six games, starting with the Super Bowl. And right. uh, so that's that's disturbing. Uh, I agree. I think it's going to be a while before we see it again. But uh it's I, I you can't blame people for noting that and saying hmm maybe this is the beginning of a trend we didn't talk about it in the snap count segment so let me just tell you not happy to report this because i know how you're going to feel about it but dan Sorensen had 100 percent snaps on sunday against the buffalo bills and here was andy reed uh, about thinking about defensive changes yeah listen we try to do that well, you know we look at all that uh, i would say every Every game, win or lose, you want to try to get the best guys that you got in posi- in position to do a do a job, uh, do their job, and so um, and make you the best you can be as a team. And, and so we'll yeah we'll keep looking at that, and if something needs changed, and we'll change it. And we're pretty real with those kind of things. And I know last night you, you mentioned you were asked about the, the big completion to Knox where Sorensen seemed to lose him, and you said, well, you wanted to look at the tape and take a look at it. Have you had a chance to look at it and, and what happened uh, on that play? Yeah, yeah, so he did. He, he ran a corner route, and then he kind of turned it back up into a swing route. And um, as the quarterback moved, and, and he dropped him there. So he can't do that. He had his eyes in the backfield and, and lost where the tight end was. So you got to make sure you – Got your eyes on him and, and know where he's at. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Okay, so that first comment by Andy Reid was interesting to me because I don't think Andy Reid likes to reveal too much. And this to me, in my Reid radar in a sense, was saying, yeah, we're going to be looking at that this week. We are actually <laughs> maybe going to be making changes. Like he won't go too far into it. And it's not like that was all that revealing necessarily. But I don't even think he's going that far to say what he said if the Chiefs are not going to go into the defensive room with Steve Spagnuolo and say, is it time? I mean, we should we should we bench Daniel Sorensen and just not have him on the field as much and have him coming in in, in what would be the dime role and have Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill playing much more of these snaps? Yeah, well, you, I think you're right. That's not the, something that Andy Reid's going to talk about publicly. Um, they may be talking about it privately. But he's not going to come out and say, yeah, I'm going to meet with Spagnola tomorrow, and here's right. what's going to happen. That's just not Reed's style. And I, I think your Reed radar is accurate on this. I think that yeah. there there could be some changes coming. And part of the reason he doesn't want to talk about it is that, I think anyway, is that he's going to talk to the parties involved right. and see what they think. But he's going to tell them what he thinks, too. And uh, so, you know... It, how it may play out may be different than what he thinks after he's talked to them. I, I think he listens to people, right. uh, you know, Spagnolo says, well, this is why I'm doing it. He could make his point uh, and, and make his point stick with Reed. But uh, I think Reed's going into that meeting with, with an agenda. I, I agree with you. Reed, Reed was asked about Sorensen specifically after the game. We won't play that for you, but he 
basically said, I have to watch the tape. If, if you've mm-hmm. ever noticed when the Chiefs were on defense, Andy Reid's head is buried into the iPad with Patrick Mahomes. So he probably wasn't even seeing just how bad it was. Right. He lets Steve Spagnuolo be the defensive head coach, which I actually like. I mean, in, in previous right. years, this has worked out for the Chiefs. They won a, they won a championship. Um, but then on Monday, he was asked about what he saw in the tape from Dawson Knox's 53-yard touchdown that it just looked like. Uh, Daniel Sorensen was mixed up. Here were Reed's comments. Yeah, so he did. He he ran a corner route, and then he kind of turned it back up into a swing route. And um, as a quarterback moved, and and he dropped him there. So he can't do that. He had his eyes in the backfield and, and lost where the tight end was. So you got to make sure you got your eyes on him and and know where he's at. So again, I want to go back into what I just said. The fact that Andy Reid usually doesn't go this far. I know that sounds like a conservative answer, and it might be for the average NFL head coach who is just talking. Certainly a guy like Bruce Arians, who if you dig into, is not afraid to essentially say, yeah, my player was wrong in this play, and here's exactly why. But Andy Reid is basically like, yeah, he did not have a good play there. And to me, I'm putting these two things together. I do finally think that you see a change this week where Daniel Sorensen will be on the the field less. We'll get more clues to that on Thursday when Steve Spagnuolo speaks to the media. But if you're looking for a sign like enough is enough, I, I, I sense that in Andy Reid this week. Uh, I think, I think that's a fair description. That doesn't mean that's the way it's going to play out, but I think that's a fair interpretation of what he did say. So uh, we'll just have to see. And I don't know that Spagnola is going to tell us anything. I mean, we always talk about how how open he is and how willing he is to answer questions, but this might be one that he doesn't want to answer. That he might rather wait and let the the offense find out what it is they're going to do. So I don't know that we'll we'll learn that much when when Spags talks to the press this week. I like Spags a lot. This is a tough week for him because the Chiefs, yeah. as as Brandon Kylie of our our show and BK show on on Fridays tweeted out. The Chiefs are allowing the worst yardage per play, according to Pro mm-hmm. Football Reference, in NFL history. What? Yeah. Like, this That's is the bad. worst defense in history through five weeks. And so I think he'll have a lot of questions to answer uh, on Thursday. And and I am not, and I want to make this clear, I am not suggesting that, like, the Chiefs need to make a, a change at defensive coordinator. I think you got to see the full body of work. Now, however, if this trend continues throughout the season and the Chiefs ended up missing the playoffs because of the defense or if they don't win the division and have an early exit in what is like the wild card round, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think if your offense is historic and, and, and the defense costs you a run and that's a waste of Mahomes' career, and I'm being very clear here, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be in favor of getting rid of Spagnuolo. I think you 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 should be afforded years, but I think there are scenarios, and we've started to walk down a scenario where it could become a possibility, and so that's where I, I think it becomes interesting. Like I said, it, it's not something maybe that I would do, but I could see the Chiefs considering it if this this continues to play out um, the way it is going right now. So you know, I I've seen a lot of comments and spoken to people. Uh, in recent weeks about um, the situation with the defense. And one of the things that I, that bugged me is that people say, well, Andy Reed hires his friends. He's not going to get rid of Spagnolo because he's Andy's buddy. Well, okay. I get that. Head right. coaches do this. You, just, just like any of us would, when you get in that kind of position, you want people you can trust. And those people are going to tend to be your friends. And yes, you're probably going to be more likely to hang on to them longer than somebody that you hire just because of their ability. But the thing that bugs me most about this, when I hear people talk about this, is that they presume that Bob Sutton stayed on the team's staff for years past his his uh, his spoil date, let's call it, because sure. he was Andy Reid's buddy. But... They had never worked together before Bob Sutton came to Kansas City. I don't know where this narrative got started that Bob Sutton was Andy's pal, because he wasn't. 
They had never worked together before. And so this idea that that Sutton was around too long because Andy won't get rid of his friends, well, that's not the case with Bob Sutton. Might be with some other coach, you know, but Bob Sutton is not an example. And Andy, well, Andy respected Bob, and, you, and you're right about that. And, you know, I, I think he was probably here a year too long, but I don't know if it was necessarily because that the, these guys were friends. Um, and he's not afraid to to make tough decisions. I mean, the Chiefs were on a successful path. Now, you know, there were salary cap problems, but then all of a sudden, as the team was building what this is, they got rid of their general manager at the time, right? Like, we saw, mm-hmm. you know, Andy Reid and Clark Hunt make tough decisions. And and I know that they had a lot of respect for what John Dorsey was able to do as far as the roster building. I mean, you're, you're seeing his impact in even in Cleveland right now, where they're an up and coming team who had been in a similar state of the chiefs before John Dorsey got there. Now he didn't get to see the fruit of his labors in Kansas city. They won a championship. He didn't get to see the fruit of his labors in Cleveland. Uh, they won a playoff game. Um, but you you got to give him some some of that credit there, and and that that just goes back to the Chiefs always, I think, being willing to make the tough decision. All right, let's go and continue on with some of the the things that stuck out about Andy Reid's Monday afternoon Zoom, and it's it's like I said, it's it's the bizarro version of the Arrowhead Pride editor show today, <laughs> because here's Andy Reid discussing Patrick Mahomes and some of the problems that he's going through right now. Holmes, and there's no other way to say it. He has six interceptions. That's as many as he had all of 2020. Uh, he's playing poorly. And so here's what Reed had to say. Yeah, so Pat Pat's wired um, like a linebacker. I mean, that's how that's his thinking. He, he wants to get after you every, every snap. And so he tries to maximize each play. You know, and I think what he's saying is that there's a time and a place for that. Sometimes you, you, you can try so hard that you – you do something that you normally wouldn't do. So, um, and he, he realizes that, uh, you know, scoring touchdowns is an important thing right now. So uh, he's, and, and he's going to try to do the best he can to do that. So uh, there's a time and place where you got to pull back on some of those things and, and just take what, what's given and go with it. So this in a sense to me is, is Reed essentially saying like, Pat is feeling the pressure where he knows he has to make a play because of the situation where I think the chiefs realize they got to score at least 35 points, at least at this stage to feel comfortable about having an opportunity to win a game. Patrick is like a linebacker and because of some of the coverages and and things that the opposing defenses are, are showing, you're not able to make these Superman plays. And I, you know, I, I think that is kind of what Reed is alluding to. Like, Look, he, he's trying to do too much. There may be a reason for that, but we gotta we gotta dial him back because, you know, even if it is the case where the defense is so bad and and we need these plays, he's costing us by trying to do too much, and the quicksand quicksand becomes even quicker, um, in a sense. That was my takeaway from that quote. Well, I, I think that's right. Um, Mahomes is is is, is a unique person. You know, and I've been saying for years that uh, the Chiefs were going to turn him into a pocket passer. And that this was something we should expect to see because there's a reason that the NFL is full of pocket passers is that they're successful. And if you can get one that has also has the ability to play well out of structure, as Mahomes demonstrated so incredibly in his first two seasons in Kansas City, then so much the better. But they have to be able to be a pocket passer, to learn how to take what's given to them, you know, to dink and dunk when that's what's necessary. And, uh, you know, he's going through the pains of doing that. I'll make the point, too, that uh, a number of the interceptions that he's made prior to Sunday were the result of him trying to be a hero uh, when he didn't need to be, when it would have been smarter for him to throw the ball away. Uh, Some of those fit in that category. I don't think that's what we saw on Sunday. I think we saw an interception on Sunday that went through the receiver's hands. You can't put that on Mahomes. Right. And we saw another one that was batted down by a lineman. Now, yeah, maybe maybe he could, should have seen that. Play. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. It was uh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so maybe Mahomes should have seen that coming. But it's not the same as overthrowing a guy. Right. Uh, or or uh, trying to, to complete a pass to somebody 15 yards downfield while you're being tackled, which is the kind of thing that we were seeing uh, 
uh, in the previous games with Mahomes. I, you know, yes, he had two interceptions on Sunday, but I don't really put them down to him. I really don't. Yeah, by the way, that was Greg Rousseau, a young, young player for Buffalo defensive end who, I mean, just made an outstanding yeah. play. I mean, it yeah. was incredible. So, I, you're right. I, I I think the number is alarming. I just, I just, and I, I think it's a product of a lot of, a lot of things, including yeah. again, the coverage that the chiefs are seeing. This was a, a question from a friend of the site, Sam McDowell, the star. Good question about some of the coverages. Here's Andy Reid. Yeah. So when, when Pat was, when I was for a few years, we saw a lot of man coverage. They challenged us with man and, um, you know, and then we started getting pretty good at that, but we went through a phase there where, like we are now where man was, uh, we, we struggled with it a bit. Um, we pounded through that and then, um, and now we're seeing zone, we're seeing the shell zone. So whether it's too deep or whether it's quarters, palms, uh, which is kind of a mixture of cover four, the quarters look and, and two, and they're making you kind of work your way down the field. So we're putting these drives together or having hiccups within the drive where you're having turnovers or penalties and those things, uh, they kill you. And so it's not that you're not racking up the yards. It's not that you're not moving the ball. Uh, you've just got to be more consistent with it and be able to sustain these drives. Um, they're not going to give up the, uh, the big shot there necessarily. So there you go. And, and it's a good point. And it's interesting to see Andy Reid break it down. It was just a different version of Reid in this whole press conference, as I've kind of been saying. You, you saw the frustration. You saw him talking about some of the problems with Patrick Mahomes. This is going into X's and O's, which we don't usually see him do. He usually kind of keeps that uh, close to his vest. But you're just seeing a lot of deeper coverages um, and, and zone coverages by the Chiefs. And, and you're seeing teams... Um, who usually like to blitz in the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills, not doing that at all and just saying, okay, you know, deepen up these coverages. Andy Reid just listed them out. And I've been saying it now uh, for weeks, and I'll, I'll make the point again because we saw it in this game. It's just like, well, look, the Chiefs eventually are shooting themselves in the foot. Another four turnovers in this game. I understand, you know, we went through reasons why, but turnovers are turnovers at the end of the day. And let the Chiefs, shoot themselves in the foot the only way we could do that is if Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw a 75 yard touchdown pass to Tyree kill on the third play of this drive if we have them by the way and this was an insane insane beginning of the game 17 plays 56 yards and a field goal how often are drives 17 plays for 56 yards and you end up getting a field goal this is what teams want he's like okay if we run if we have the Chiefs run more plays, more time for the ball to go after off of Tyreek Hill's chest, more time for a potential fumble from a, a Clyde Edwards Elaire or one of the receivers, and then we get the ball back, have more opportunities, and the defense is so bad that we're probably going to score a touchdown. And and it is what it is. And until the Chiefs defense stops opposing teams on fourth down, isn't gashed like they are, isn't having these miscommunications. Um, and, and they're able to give Patrick Mahomes a short field. And then Patrick Mahomes and this offense shows that they can beat these type of co- type of coverages, go down the field in methodical fashion, play in that short to intermediate and really hurt teams because they're going to be scoring touchdowns while draining 11 minutes. Then you're going to keep seeing the similar results. Now, here's the key. And uh, it, it, it's going to go into one of my my takeaways in this, but you're playing really good teams right now. And. And you're, you're about to enter a stretch where that's not going to be the case. And that's why you saw the Chiefs beat the Eagles because they're just more talented. That's why you're going to see, knock on all the wood you want, the Chiefs beat the Washington football team because it takes a particular talent of talent level of team to do this. The Chiefs just happened to play three of them early here, in my opinion, in what is the L.A. Chargers, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. And I... It's interesting because I've made this point several times now in, in recent weeks that you can't really beat the Chiefs by running the ball. You know, the teams have, that have been successful running the ball against the Chiefs have not tended to win those games. And it's interesting that the Chiefs are now trying to work the running game into their offense more. 
which I think is a good thing because it opens up more opportunities for Mahomes. You know, if they're going to put two uh, deep safeties back there, that's an opportunity to run the ball. Right. If you got those safeties lining up there in the back. So, you know, you're taking, again, taking what the defense gives you. And then eventually, if you do it enough, they have to come in to respect the run. And that gives you the opportunity to make the, the deep pass. Now, we haven't really seen that happen except uh, in one spectacular catch to the 75-yard play to Hill uh, recently. Um, but it's it should work over a period of time. And uh, they're not going to hang their hat on it as an offensive thing. It's just something that's going to make the, the passing game more effective. They're still going to live on that. But I, I think it's interesting that while other teams can't rush the ball to beat the Chiefs, the Chiefs might be able to improve their offense by rushing the ball some. It, it, this is just this is the give and take of the game planning and and the coaches playing chess matches with each other, and some weeks it plays out one week one way, and then another week it plays out another, and and you just never know how it's all going to play out. And I think that's one of the things that Andy's talking about here. Right. You know, you've got to be able to run the ball. You got to be able to throw the ball. You got to choose the right time and place to do these things. That's what he's talking about: is this chess game that goes on uh, between the coaches and their game plans. That is Andy Reid from his Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon. If you want to listen to the full press conference for all of the Andy Reid takeaways, you can. It's on From the Podium right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. When we come back, our world-famous marinated takeaways from this Chiefs-Bills game, and we will give you the best Chiefs thing we saw all week. Stay with us right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We're in week six of the NFL season. The Chiefs are in last place still, two and three in the division. But they look to turn it around this Sunday against the Washington football team. Before we turn the page with Great British Chiefs show tomorrow, we have your world-famous marinated takeaways. And we start with John Dixon. John, what do you got? Well, as always, we, we tend to touch on these because they're on our minds as we begin the show before we get here. Right. But uh, I think that what we're going to see from uh, Jarek McKinnon uh, while Edward Zolaire is hurt is going to be very interesting. Um, this is a player that we were very excited to see play for the Chiefs in the preseason. We thought we'd see more uh, of him than we have. And now he's going to get an opportunity to play. Uh, I think we may see the Chiefs use him differently. But uh, the point you made earlier, I think, is also correct, that he stylistically is much more like uh, Edward Zolaire um, than he is Daryl Williams, than Daryl Williams is. And so they might end just end up just using him in exactly the same way. It'll, it'll be very interesting to see how they play this out. And if they give him more touches as a receiver, uh, then when Edward Zolaire is back, maybe they give him more touches. It, it's a lot, of, a lot of different ways that this could play out. I agree with you. I think it's going to be very interesting. And one point that I I think is worth saying here, I don't know if it's likely, but there's a non zero percent chance that Clyde Edwards Hilaire could lose his job. It, yeah. it, it's it's just as the case. And not like I said, not to say that it's likely, but yeah. I think the Chiefs are high on Jarek McKinnon. And if he goes bananas here in this opportunity these next couple of weeks it could be a situation where you just don't go back to the other guy because things are, are working right in a, in a sense. And not to say Clyde won't have other opportunities if, if that played out in, in future seasons, but at a certain point you may go with the, the same player, um, at, you know, as you go here. So uh, I'm eager to see what McKinnon could do. Uh, I know it, it's tough for Clyde because he was coming off. Finally, I think having mm -hmm. some consistent yeah. success there and right. this seems to keep happening to him in his young career. This happened toward the end of the last season where I thought he finally was putting things together and coming into his own. And then he has the setback where he really wasn't even 100 percent toward the end of the playoffs. He had to get to the offseason until then. So I think the Chiefs will be cautious here with getting him back. And they have some options here. They're exploring other options uh, reportedly from ESPN and Marlon Mack as well. 
well, I think you're, I think you're right. I, I, I agree that it's not likely, but we could see uh, McKinnon become the starting running back over time. But boy, if that happens, these people who've been complaining about the Chiefs using a first round pick on a running back, <laughs> if if Edward Zelaire becomes uh, the backup, yeah. those Roy people are going, their heads are going to explode. So I just, Twitter. you know, just want to warn you about that. <laughs> Roy Twitter for the week. Um, yeah. I want to make a point about the the schedule, and again, you you noted this, John. I, I hinted at it in, in in the last segment, but you know, we looked at the schedule at the beginning of the season when the schedule came out: Browns, Ravens, Chargers, Eagles, and Bills. And we felt if the Chiefs can get out of there three and two or four and one, that would be a pretty good start to the year, because you're really facing all of the AFC contenders right in one shot. Mm-hmm. And you had these turnover games where you drop these close games against the Ravens and Chargers. And then you face a Bills team where, you know, the problems keep piling up and the game just gets away from you. And it's 38 to 20. Probably was closer than the score, especially if you consider I, I thought the referee involvement to an extent um, over involvement on both sides. Again, I'm not complaining about uh, the call specifically on on the Chiefs. Who knows, you know, in, 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 with a different crew, how, how this game plays out. Um, but the Chiefs were awfully close if, if you consider those Ravens and Chargers wins to being three and two or four and one even. Mm-hmm. I, I I won't yeah. give them the Bills game because no matter what, the, they weren't going to win this game with the way that, that they're playing. So I, I I look at the schedule now and it goes WFT, who we're going to be talking about the rest of the week on com. You have the Tennessee Titans up and down year who lost to the Jets. I understand that they were they were beaten down a little bit, but come on, the New York Giants. I can tell you, and I'm certain of this: the Chiefs are going to win these three games. They are. I, I I know that they're playing terribly right now, um, but they are better than all these teams, even maybe on their worst day, in my opinion. I, I know some people are like, well, the Titans. I I, I don't consider the Titans that. So you're going to be looking at at five and three, and then you get another measuring stick game against the Green Bay Packers. And that'll be the the next one to me where, all right, it's time for the Chiefs to show that they are capable of beating a team like this because they're going to need that confidence boost going into the, the second part of the season. And what happens here as you go is you just like never know what happens in the NFL. Like the Chargers look really good now as do the Buffalo Bills, but they could drop a game. We saw the Buffalo Bills drop one uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers in, in week one. And maybe this starts to come back to you a little bit, but here's the thing: you got to win, and I, I do mm-hmm. think they'll win the next yeah. three games. But you got to take care of your own business, and it's so early. You know, I, I don't want to say that 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 the division is out. I don't think the division is out by any means because you get another shot at the Chargers, and and they'll drop one eventually. AFC buy seems a little less likely, but mm-hmm. there's still a lot to play for when it comes to home field. Let, let's just say the Chiefs don't get the AFC buy. You know, we're talking about months down the line here. And they have to play in the wild card. And then and then, you know, you win a wild card game and then you get to that next round. The top seed can be knocked out by whoever they're playing, in a sense, if if you build this thing right. And you could still have an AFC title game. You just have to see how it goes. There's so much time right. here. And the Chiefs schedule opens up a little bit for them where they're gonna beat these teams and you'll feel better about it. What'll be bad is if you get to the Packers game, you're like, you're feeling good about five and three. And then what has took taken place in these last couple of weeks just rears its ugly head. But that's the stretch we have ahead. And I just think it's worth remembering that at this stage. Yeah. In total, though, the Chiefs actually face a fairly difficult schedule uh, over the remaining weeks of the season compared to the rest of the league. This was something we talked about this briefly uh, on Sunday morning that I was going to look this up because I had a spreadsheet set up from last year yeah. where I could do it. And uh, and I wrote about it after the, the game this week. Uh, and I, it, I found it kind of surprising because I had uh, just assumed that since the, you know, normally these NFL schedules – they front load it one way or another way. You know, you get your weakest teams first and your strong teams at the end or vice versa. And so when I saw the strong teams at the beginning, I thought, okay, it's going to get easier towards the end. And yes, you're right. These next few weeks should be fairly easy. But after that, when they get into the meat of their division schedule, remember they haven't played the Raiders or the Broncos yet, just one of the Chargers games. And both of those teams have good records. And that's part of why... 
the Chiefs have a fairly strong uh, opponent schedule in front of them is that they've only played one of their AFC West games. And then they got the Packers in there. And, you know, there's there's other games towards the end of the schedule that, that might be problematic. So, you know, this is a bad that so they may not be as hard as they look right now. But, you know, if you got to look at it on what the one lost records are right now, they actually have a pretty tough schedule. I think it's going to be fine for a few games, but I do think that that Packers game is going to be the next measuring stick for the Chiefs. All right. What was your next marinated takeaway, John? Um, you know, I, I, I talked about after this game, the pass rush being an issue, um, you know, that they, as I've said many times that you can rush against, you can rush against the chiefs, but you just can't pass against the chiefs and, uh, and expect to, to, uh, you, the chiefs have to give up less passing yards than they do rushing yards in order for the, for the, the game to be a victory for them. That's something the defense has always been able to do well. Even when Bob Sutton was here, we had a decent pass defense. And uh, people always look at the cornerbacks first, but I'm really starting to wonder if the, if the pass rush is the problem, that we're not getting enough pressure on these quarterbacks, giving them all day and and just too much time for cornerbacks and safeties to to cover these players uh, in the secondary. So, yeah. well, um, you mean, know, certain, I'm, I'm not the only when... one who's worried about this, but... <laughs> <laughs> certainly when you're playing uh, Josh Allen and certainly when yeah. you're playing Lamar Jackson and certainly when you're playing Justin Herbert. And that's where, you know, I, I look at these next few games. I'm not worried about Taylor Heineke having extra time or even Ryan Tannehill to an extent, Daniel Jones. You got to figure out your pass rush by the time Aaron Rodgers is the next opponent. Yeah. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's these quarterbacks who can go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. Like that to me are the problem teams right now. And, when the defense is that bad and then Mahomes feels like he has to do more than even he is capable of, that is leading to me to the losses. And and so I, I completely agree. The defensive line has not been healthy. I don't mm-hmm. think it's helping Jaron Reed that Frank Clark missed basically the entire beginning of the season. And even in the sense that Frank Clark comes back in and you're still missing Chris Jones. Uh, Mike Dana mm-hmm. has been a pleasant surprise, but wow, he's the only bright spot of your defensive line right now, like that is a significant problem. So I completely agree. My next marinated takeaway, John, is uh, the sense that the defense to me, you want to say, oh, it'll be a quick fix by inserting Danny Sorensen onto the bench and bringing in uh, Juan Thornhill I thought Mina Kimes, who does a great job nationally on ESPN, made a good point in the sense that the Chiefs play a lot of dime personnel, meaning the three safeties are out there anyway. So unless you're becoming strategic and you're, you're starting to put guys in the lineup, um, now Thornhill in that Sorensen spot would certainly help when you're in the base and, and the nickel. But I'm, I'm talking about some of these um, sub packages. Like, do you start to tap in? Maybe it makes more sense to get lamins going or um yeah you, you think about you know dorian o'daniel profiles like a little bit as a hybrid player i know he's listed as a linebacker these guys who play special teams like o'daniel and watts do you go that far and say no dan Sorensen, you are just going to play special teams man um it, i don't know if it's necessarily a quick fix for two reasons because of how much dime the chiefs play with three safeties anyway and then it's an unknown door, right? Like there is a possibility that the chiefs could put Thornhill on the field and he may not be the answer. Like different isn't always good. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just, and it may be, I think it's just approaching the question of are the chiefs to a point where anything else is better? I think that is arguable. And I would probably say, yeah, you got to try it. Right. But I right. caution, I caution people, and and I caution myself from even thinking like this is definitely going to work. And I, I, I just wanted to, I think, get that out there. That like that's my deeper thought about this Sorensen problem. No, I think I think that's exactly right. Um, it's real easy to point at a player on a defensive unit and say this guy is too slow. He's no good in coverage. We got to get him off the field. Okay. That's fair. You can do that. You can notice those things. Those things can be true, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right choice for the team. 
Right. You know, there are reasons that Sorensen is a positive on this team. He's pretty good in the box and he's bad in coverage. So they have to find the way where they can use him to, to his best advantage. And I don't think that's having him on the field for 100% of the snaps. I, I agree with you. I think we got to try this and make sure that, that there isn't some other way where we can use him better. But, you know, they've got a lot of variables to, to mess with here. And it may be an issue of, well, okay, yeah, we think Juan Thornhill is better as a coverage safety. But if we, but if we lose that run uh, defense in the box where Sorensen is better, then that doesn't make these other things work for us. So it, I think you're exactly right. It's gotten to the point they have to try it. But I think we have to be careful to assume that that's going to solve some huge problem. Because it might, but it might create a larger one. We just don't know until they try it. Any other marinated takeaways from this game, John? Um, I just, you know, we talked about this a little bit already and on the Mahomes uh, issue. Um, I think it's important to note that uh, Mahomes is still a good quarterback. He's still probably the best quarterback in the league. He's going through a rough patch right now, some of which is his fault, some of which is not his fault. And uh, I, I think fans of other teams are are uh, chomping at the bit to show, oh, yeah, this is the problem you've always going to have with this guy, that he's making all this money and he's not going to be as good as he was for the first couple, three seasons. And I think it's way too early to make that kind of a judgment about it. So, uh, you know, I, I think we need to give him some time to figure out how to get over this newest hump in his life. He's been lucky that he hasn't had to get over too many of them. And when he has, he's been able to do it with ease. But, you know, I think the guy's got all the character and all the talent in the world, and I think he'll get through this. Um, so we just have to give him the opportunity to do so. I think that's a great point, and it is worth remembering that the Chiefs did have some struggles, and it was we talked about it a little bit with the read quotes there but it was with man coverage in 2019 and there was some similar freaking out it was only two losses in a row uh, mm-hmm. then Mahomes got hurt and he ended up coming back and and the rest is history but that was a year the Chiefs won the Super Bowl like I they're gonna figure this out <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the best way and they have again I had three softer games to do so before they get going again right. as you mentioned right. John uh, with that that deeper schedule so those are your marinated takeaways. My last one is the fact, and, and a really quick one here. I, I know it was limited opportunities. I'm, I'm, I brought up your snap counts again. Josh Gordon only had eight offensive snaps, 10%. Uh, he ended up having a catch. He, he looks the part. Uh, I, I yeah. think he'll, I think he'll be the number two receiver. Um, it'll take some time here. Quite obviously the fact that he was able to even get in a game. Remember the original reports were that uh, it would take a few weeks for him to even be conditioned. That's the one thing you know by him being on the field is that he was ready, um, which is impressive considering he hadn't played since 2019, but he was conditioned. That was a question. And then enough of the playbook to get eight plays built in. Let's give this guy a few weeks. I think you'll see, and I'm going to, I'm going out on a limb here, but I don't care. I think you'll see a couple. <laughs> I think you'll see a couple of a hundred yard games for Josh Gordon. You know, you, you've been wondering, when are you going to get this next Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill capable of that in the lineup? I I am I am high. I, I'm as Matt as our Matt Stagner would say. I am bullish on the Josh Gordon <laughs> <laughs> experiment. All right. Well, you know, I, oh, I said sorry, right off the top here that this was this felt more like a postseason move than a regular season move. Yeah, you know that this was this was a guy that they're, they're thinking about the postseason with yeah. Josh Gordon. And so uh, I agree. I think that over time we're going to see him used more and more. And and he really the one the one target he had on Sunday he looked fantastic. Right. Um, yeah. You know. So there's every reason to think that he could be a good player at this point. All right. It's time for the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. And I want to preface this before we get into the clip. There's not a good chief, a lot of good Chiefs stuff out there right now. There really isn't. So. We had to take a unique approach to this. You're going to hear this, but then wait for my explanation after the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. 
tap the decency on a Monday morning to wait a few minutes before you get on my damn nerves with that drivel spewing out of your mouth. That is nonsense. You are lying to the American public. The Kansas City Chiefs are done. Let me say it right now. They're going to the postseason, sure, because of that dude, oh. Patrick Mahomes. Their, their defense is trash. They can't stop a cold. Let's mm -hmm. just call it what it is, okay? They're awful. They're the worst defense in the league in points allowed, second worst right. in yards allowed, second worst against the run. Don't get me started with what they are against the pass. They are an atrocity. And, oh, by the way, Steve Spagnuolo, I thought this was a, a defensive coordinator that was a Super Bowl champion. Wasn't he the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants in 2007 when they won the Super Bowl, when they beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots? Suddenly, mm. he can't coach defense? I mean, my God. So there you go, Stephen A. Smith uh, of First Take on ESPN. And here's my point about this. So you've been to three straight AFC title games. You won a Super Bowl. You won back-to-back -back AFC titles. Yeah, now through three weeks, or now now through five weeks, I should say, you've managed to become that underdog again. You now can take that underdog mentality, that underdog approach. We live in that world now, where through five weeks, people are ready to write you off. Stephen A. Smith was not the only one. We saw it with Rex mm -hmm. Ryan, who is on the yeah. same network. We saw it on Fox Sports with saying, you know, this is the Cowboys' year. To me. There's no better motivation than just looking around right now. And the motivation we know for a fact drives these players, the chiefs. If I'm this coaching staff, I'm pulling clips like that. And I'm saying, this is what they think of you. Who are you? And at a certain point, you know, this is a team that has talked about not having the, the right mindset at the beginning, let people doubt and then go show them. I mean, we we have seen people doubt Mahomes too many times, and then we've seen him count on his fingers. Let's see that from the defensive room. <laughs> it is so early for for people to be making these uh, decisions and, and making these predictions about the Chiefs not being in, in Super Bowl contention. Have they not watched the, the last three or four years? I I, I just I think that's the best Chiefs thing I heard all week because there's ultimate motivation around and I think the Chiefs should tap into that. I, I think we should be happy that Stephen A. Smith thinks the Chiefs are not going to be good in the postseason. Is that is that your point there? <laughs> I just but I, I think you're I think you're yeah. right though. I think you're right. I think it's just way too early to count them out. But you know, this is what these guys do. They spend their they spend their days looking for controversial things that people will get riled up about. And um, and maybe they like the idea that they can be used as motivation. Maybe that's how they feel that they're affecting the NFL through their their opinions or whatever. I don't know, but mm -hmm. we see it all the time. And uh, and I'm just not going to get too worked up about it, other than thinking it might be helpful to the Chiefs to see this kind of stuff. Completely agree. And I know for a fact, in, in talking with people with the team, they they do pull these type of things for motivation. And I hope they do this week heading into that game against the Washington football team. All right, we went over time, John. There was a lot to talk oh, about today, but we got through it, and uh, we that's an editor show for you. If you like the Arrowhead Pride editor show, please rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Coming up later this week, it's the Arrowhead Drive on Wednesday. The guys across the pond will begin to preview the Washington football team. Tom Childs will not hold back as far as he feels about these Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> that we know. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thanks to Stephen Serta. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.